Welcome to Magenta Nation, the podcast series that presents straightforward information to eliminate confusion and answer questions about the important issues of the day. This is your host, Joy Scott. I am a business person and an author who cares deeply about these issues and about bringing America together. You can find out more about that initiative at www.magenta-nation.com. Today's topic is gun control. And the first question that always comes up about gun control is, are we seeking to take away Second Amendment rights? So let's look at what the Second Amendment says. It contains the phrase, the right to bear arms, a phrase that's often quoted as protection for Americans to own and use guns. Consequently, those who may want to regulate or restrict gun ownership are viewed as attacking a basic American right guaranteed in the Constitution. What did the Founding Fathers mean when they said the right to bear arms? The sentiment originated with their belief in a citizen militia as a defense against tyranny and their distrust of standing armies. The primary justification for the Second Amendment was creating a provision that would prevent the nation from requiring a standing army. Moreover, in their writings, figures such as Hamilton constantly referred to it as a well-regulated militia, but they weren't really concerned about an individual's right to have guns. The well-regulated aspect of their militias actually included several restrictions about who would be allowed to own firearms and join militias. People that the Founding Fathers didn't want to own weapons included free black Americans, slaves, and Native Americans, according to historical writings and records. In the 1700s, no one could have predicted the shift from agrarian to urban communities, the density of the population, food production in which sources of meat would be mass-produced and prepared, and the rise of jobs, professions, and lifestyles that would never require the use of a gun. And they did not foresee the development of a large standing army to defend the country or the rise of a police force dedicated to protecting citizens and preserving law and order. These changes in circumstances require us to look at the Second Amendment phrasing with more than a literal interpretation. Secondly, is there really a problem with gun violence in America? Well, yes, there is. Each year, more than 70,000 Americans are injured by guns. Almost 40,000 Americans are killed by gun violence in a year. There are upwards of 370 mass shootings in America each year, a little more than one a day. The American gun homicide rate is 25 times higher than that of other high-income nations. So yes, the facts support the statement that gun violence in America is a far more serious threat than other countries. Third, will stricter laws reduce incidents of gun violence? Again, other countries that have introduced gun buyback programs, stricter gun laws, and higher standards of training for gun owners have seen gun violence plummet. In contrast, in America, one out of five guns is purchased over the internet or at gun shows with no qualifications or training required of the purchaser. The proliferation of murder, suicides, and mass shootings with guns in America today keeps the debate over gun control passionate on both sides. Especially controversial is the availability of assault rifles and other weapons of mass destruction which were created for military action, not recreational use. Why do people need guns today? Beyond recreation, the primary argument is for personal security. If gun controls are tightened, then only criminal actors will have firearms, is the belief, and people will be unable to protect themselves from crime. However, research shows that an armed home is not a safer home. Instead, guns in the home have been repeatedly linked to an increased risk for homicide and suicide. 
homes that owned guns for self-defense had a 70% increased odds of being murdered at home. Homes with guns present are tied to a nearly five-fold increase in the odds of suicide, four times more likely to experience an accidental shooting, seven times more likely to be used in assault or homicide, and 11 times more likely to be used in a suicide than they are to be used in self-defense. In part because of this research, Congress acted to forbid the Centers for Disease Control from using its funding to advocate or promote gun control. The firearm research stopped. Here's a tragic real-life example. The mother of the Sandy Hook shooter had an extensive collection of guns in her home. Her son lived alone in the basement enjoying violent video games. The day he went on his rampage, killing six-year-old children and their teachers at their school, he first shot and killed his mother using a gun from her collection. After the Sandy Hook shooting, President Obama signed an executive order requesting that the CDC spend $10 million on gun violence research. However, Congress did not appropriate the funds. What is the solution given these conflicting views about guns? Perhaps we could look at this question through the lens of individual rights and responsibility. A right ceases to become a right when it is misused to harm someone else. Then, the misuser is responsible for the damage they caused by, in a sense, abusing that right. What if gun owners were responsible for any damage to others that was inflicted by their gun? Say another family member uses it for a shooting rampage in a mall, or a visiting child finds the gun and accidentally shoots themselves, or a depressed person uses the gun to commit suicide. Would the penalties for such situations, fines and even imprisonment, dissuade some people from having guns, or at least prompt them to follow strict safety precautions to keep these tragedies from happening? It would certainly do wonders for gun security. And maybe that is where we should focus as a middle ground. If people own guns, there should be strict safety requirements. Before getting a gun, an individual has to be vetted, licensed, and trained to operate it. They must agree to be responsible for the safety of that gun, secure that it's locked up, and assume responsibility if it's misused by anyone else. Weapons for mass killings should not be allowed in civilian hands. Weapons that were developed for military action to kill a number of people at one time should never be in civilian hands. Illegal use and possession of guns should carry much stronger penalties. People who purchase guns should also be required to meet specific criteria and, as noted, participate in a mandatory safety training. They should be in good mental health, free of addiction, and have a blemish-free record of obeying the law. They should identify the purpose of wanting to own a gun, agree to be accountable that the gun is used only for that purpose, and promise that if it is, they will be accountable for the misuse. And promise that if it is not used for that purpose, they will be accountable for it. And promise that it will be safely secured at all times to prevent accidents or having it fall in the wrong hands. If we as Americans could recognize that unlimited access to guns is a national problem, we could come up with sensible solutions to protect all of us. Thanks for listening, and for more information, visit www magenta-nation.com.